Welcome to Ruling Sports, a podcast giving you a playbook for life. I'm your host, Alicia Jessup. Join me as I interview athletes, leaders, and innovators to uncover their game plans for success and give you insights to rule your life. Let the play clock begin. Today's guest is someone who, when it comes to building social and digital strategies for athletes, is the best in the game. Karin Kildow is the founder of Content Capital Group, a social media advisory for high-profile, high-net-worth individuals dedicated to building influence. Karin founded the Content Capital Group after nearly a decade of social media marketing experience gained at companies like Red Bull and LeBron James Uninterrupted. She has helped build the social media strategies of hundreds of athletes, including DeAndre Hopkins, Richard Jefferson, Nick Young, and her own sister, Olympian Lindsay Vaughn. In this episode, Karin discusses how working with athletes was a natural career for someone who grew up deeply surrounded by sports. She provides realistic, applicable examples for how athletes can create successful digital media campaigns. She even gives us an equation for how to build a digital media campaign. She walks us through a case study featuring Blake Griffin for how others can apply straightforward steps to create amazing, engaging content. Karin walks us through how social media trends are changing and what users are turning to platforms like Instagram for. She gives us great advice for how athletes can shift their strategies to find success amongst these changing trends, while also helping social media content consumers like you and me with ideas to better manage the platform's algorithms. Beyond campaigns, Karin cares deeply about helping athletes build meaningful, impactful, long-lasting brands. Here, she gives athletes a playbook to use for how to shape their own brands using examples from the strategy she and Lindsay Vaughn deployed to help grow Lindsay's social following to the millions. Finally, we talk about how athletes can utilize social media to effectuate change. Here, Karin shares an impactful story of a strategic campaign she worked on with DeAndre Hopkins that actually led to critical change being made. This episode is packed with impactful advice that if you use, will improve your digital strategy and brand management. You'll want to save it and come back to it again and again, and also share it with others looking to grow their own brands. So now join me in welcoming Karin Kildow to the Ruling Sports Podcast. Karin, welcome to the Ruling Sports Podcast. Hi, so glad to be here. Great to have you. We start this show the same way every time, and it's kind of cool to see people's responses, but what goal, quote, or mindset has guided your life? The one that's most recent is my mother, who's been through ups and downs throughout her whole life. She actually just passed away, but she every single day would wake up and say, today is another great day. And so I feel like that kind of has inspired me to, you know, work gets hard. It's easy to get in a rut and be bogged down with things, but just like wake Waking up every day and being excited to work, grateful for what you're doing and trying to bring that positivity to everyone, I feel like really help you get ahead and just makes you enjoyable to work with. Absolutely. And from what I can tell through what you've shared on social media, your mother, Lindy, was 
incredibly inspiring. And the fact that she woke up every day and had that sentiment to share, despite what she was going through medically, I think is a testament to who she was as a person. So we're talking very shortly after her passing. And I just want to extend my condolences to you and your family. What are you doing to honor her memory? Yeah, I mean, one thing she I mean, she was diagnosed with ALS one year ago, she actually died one year to the day of when she was diagnosed. So it was very hard to see ALS, you know, in real time with someone you love. But throughout the process with her diagnosis, the ALS Foundation was so profoundly helpful with advice and support and equipment and everything. So we're raising money and we have a GoFundMe that goes directly to the ALS Foundation. And it's called Another Great Day. We'll be sure to link the link in the show notes. My mentor passed from ALS and I know it's a devastating, unfair, brutal disease. So anything we can do to eradicate it, I'm I'm all in for. So thank you for sharing that. You've had an incredible career working with some of the world's biggest brands and most notable athletes. Let's start from the beginning though. We've kind of talked about your mom and how awesome of a human she is. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. What were you into? What were you up to? Yes. Well, I was born into a very extreme ski racing family. So my dad was national champion and my mom was very athletic. And so from two years old, I have five siblings. There's five total. Since we were in infants, we were skiing in a backpack with my my dad's back. And then at two, we learned to ski. And then at five, you raced. And so my childhood was very centered around sports achievement, kind of excelling at the highest level there. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I was taken out of school. I was moved to Colorado to ski race. I personally didn't love ski racing. I would much rather be in the lodge drinking hot chocolate. So (laughs) I kind of saw my life. It was very foreshadowed with being around sports, but not necessarily being the one competing all the time. I started my career at Red Bull, which is an amazing company. They're still, I think, one of the most innovative in the way they think about marketing and content. Red Bull Media House is essentially a full-blown media company that's fueled by the sales of the can. So I started there doing brand marketing, field marketing, understanding all that. And then about four years into my career, I moved to Santa Monica to start an influencer social marketing thing. And it was at the time when it was Viners and YouTube, and I just felt like the brand didn't resonate with that. So I decided to switch the program to be, I was like, we have all these athletes that are sponsored by Red Bull, 150 of them in the US alone. And I was like, their reach combined is much more than any of these influencers. So what if we just train them to grow their social channels and then be great representatives for the brand? So I actually spent three years doing that. And that kind of fueled my love for working with athletes, helping them understand how to grow their brand on social. And it just, they loved it. I've never seen athletes sit through a PowerPoint and they would be like, we'll work through lunch. We want to hear more. And it just really showed like that it it's something that athletes really care about. And so, and it ended up really being successful for the company as well. So that was kind of where I started. Let's place this in time. You are working for Red Bull. You're working for the Red Bull Media House. You're training athletes. Roughly what year was it that you had that epiphany that these people are bigger than influencers? And if we train them up, we have something really powerful here. I think it was probably 2016. So definitely at Red Bull, I was like contemplating and kind of seeing the value. And then I just kept seeing like the athletes are really the driving force behind a lot of these conversations. They have so much credibility 
accountability. So if, if they say something, it really matters to people. And so kind of seeing that also through the lens of a brand and understanding how valuable that is, I, I was like, I could probably do this on my own. And I loved it so much. I was like, I, if I could do this for more athletes, that'd be really great. But it definitely took me a long time to get to the point of like starting my own company and doing that. But it was in my mind for five to eight years for sure. And we're definitely going to get to that part of the conversation, but I want to root this in time because this is a pretty big realization. We're talking roughly 10 years ago at this point that you're looking at this ecosystem and you're saying, wait a second, athletes have a lot more power behind them and their voices than perhaps they're recognizing. Let me help them leverage that. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. If you can boil it down, what are the elements or skills necessary to create a successful digital media campaign as an athlete? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as an athlete or as a brand or really anyone, I always think of it as like, like kind of an equation. So first you have to have your message, what you want to say, then you have to look at what is a fundamental conversation that's already happening online. That could be like a big moment, an event, a holiday, something that you kind of know people are going to be talking about. A lot of times people try to create a new idea and then like put it out into the world. And honestly, a lot of times people don't care because they're not talking about that right now. So if you could say, I have a message, here's a time that people are going to be talking about something. And then you add a creative twist or a talent to it. That makes sense. If you add those three things together, that is kind of a fundamental recipe for what's going to work, at least in my experience. So I've always tried to do that. Everything from like a single post on a random day to like a huge moment, like the launch of a campaign or something like that. Such good advice. And, you know, we've talked about you working with Red Bull, but maybe just to help the listeners understand how much you know what you're talking about here. Tell us about some of the athletes that you've worked with. At Red Bull, I trained 150 athletes in 90 disciplines. So everyone from ultra marathon runners who had a flip phone that we're 50 years old and we're like, I don't want to do social to, you know, Brian Sheckler, Lindsay Vaughn. So Lindsay Vaughn also is my older sister. And so that was also a great example to say like, oh, here's what I'm learning on social, apply it to your channels. And it just, it just worked and really built her into one of the biggest Olympians and female skiers. And it was great because at Red Bull, we would have campaigns and then they would look to say, okay, what can the athletes do to promote this? And one good example of the kind of like topic event person would be, um, so we had Blake Blake Griffin as and at Red Bull, they're signing a lot of action sports athletes. So Blake Griffin was the big NBA player. And we had like an hour of shoot time with him a year. And they were like, okay, what do we do? What should we make for social? And the team was like, okay, let's have him say happy Halloween and Merry Christmas. And I was like, I, I don't like, we couldn't use those. That doesn't really make sense. And who cares? Mm -hmm. So they're just thinking, how do we get Blake's face on our social channels? But we were like, his goals as an athlete were to really resonate in LA because he was on the Clippers at the time. And he really wanted to show his comedy skills because he's an insane comedian. He's a hilarious person at large. So we're like, okay, what can we do? And we saw this conversation that was already happening, which is like, shit LA people say. Like, there's always that like, oh, you know, I need a matcha latte and let me get my <laughs> avocado toast. And especially this was in like, you know, 2017. So it was, it was the, the times of like viral YouTubes and Facebook videos and things. So we had Blake do shit LA people say. And so 
it was the conversation was LA people and that really was already happening. And then the unique twist of adding Blake, who was an LA athlete, comedy chops to it, it really, it resonated. It was like, it went super viral. Every media company was picking it up. Um, and then we ended up winning a Shorty Award for it. He really did a great job, but it was just kind of like taking something and adding one more level to it so that it really like resonated with what people already wanted to talk about. I love this. I love this so much. So the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show is I heard you speak at a conference recently here in Los Angeles. And I was like, oh my gosh, she is so mm -hmm. smart. And the way she explains things is even if you're not a marketer, even if you're not digitally savvy, it's really applicable and it's easy to understand. One thing I hear you saying that I think a lot of people miss with social media is the key to success is being creative. And sometimes I think people think what creativity is, is giving birth to this completely new idea. But what I hear you saying is, yes, it's okay to have an idea, but you need to root it in something that the culture or the listeners are already talking about. Is that safe to say? Yes, yes. I think social is really about iteration and a, like adapting to things. So it's not, especially now, currently with the birth of TikTok, it's about how do you take what's already trending, the funny joke that someone else did, and then adding your own twist to it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is like, it, it will make everything simpler. It will give so much more force to everything that you're doing, but it, it's not necessarily bad because you're creative voice is adding to it. So it's, it's adding to the conversation, adding to the joke, giving your spin on it, I think is what really uh, helps unlock a lot of things versus always trying to think of a brand new idea that's never been done. Cause again, sometimes it just with the way that social and the internet works, people are not going to just find that randomly. You kind of have to hook it to something that's already going. And so that's what I always think of. And it's the way I get inspired is really just like, take your client, your personal brand, your, the brand you're working for and look through social at everyone else's posts is like, how could I do that thing, but differently. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of how I do things. I'm constantly saving things for maybe the clip didn't make any sense, but I'm like, if you applied that to football, that'd be hilarious. Mm -hmm. So I, that's the way my mind works. And it, it's, it's much easier because social is content is not king it's consistency is king. So how do you do this every single day? And if you're trying to think of a brand new thing that no one's ever thought of every day, it will, it will burn you out so fast. Iteration, iteration is king. Where do you save these clips to? Do you have a method or system for where you're saving all of these ideas? Just an Instagram or TikTok, like there's the save feature and it's just like saving them. You can organize them in albums and groups. And, and so that is, I mean, I think I have thousands of videos and photos saved on mm -hmm. both platforms and, and, uh, or like texting them to yourself always help. We have Slack channels that are all like, oh, here's good ideas. So it's just kind of like constantly chipping away at like little bits and pieces here and there, and then taking those and be like, okay let's apply this to this and this to this and, and kind of merge these two things that I like to make something different, really just observing what's happening and really listening to how people are talking. And, and you can see like, in, you know, things are shifting the way Instagram is now is not what it was a year ago. And it, that will only keep changing more rapidly. So I feel like that's a really important thing to think about. What's the change? What's going on there? I personally think I love Instagram. It was my bread and butter forever. And I still think it's an extremely powerful and valuable platform. 
platform, but it used to be a lot of, I mean, millennials started it. It was very much like sharing what you're doing, making yourself look good, aesthetic. Like remember people used to have grids that were all perfect pastel color tone and all those things. That was like the first step change is to say, it doesn't need to all look the same. You look at the major publishers, you go to Barstool Sports or World Star or Bleach Report, it's like different things and different formats. And people aren't going to a profile to say, does this look nice? They're going to say like, what is the content and what value am I getting from it? So a lot of times people focus so much on what it looks like and they're not thinking about what value is it bringing what. So I think that is one of the biggest things. And now what has happened is I think, or Instagram has tried to adapt too many of the different platforms. You know, they kind of took Snapchat made stories and then they tried doing reels because of TikTok and they're even testing features that are similar to Be Real. But I think the platform is getting kind of chaotic where you're not quite sure what you're supposed to do. So TikTok is really a place of like very raw authenticity, learning, teaching people things. TikTok is an interest-based algorithm. So it is, is pulling things that interesting to me. So if I like gardening, it will start to bring in gardening. If I like curling, it will, it will start to bring me videos on that. Whereas Instagram is social and a social algorithm. So it's like, who am I following? What people would be relevant to me? So TikTok has a lot of opportunity because if you have any interest, no matter how niche, if you post it on TikTok, it will eventually get to the right people, even if they don't know you. Do you want exclusive insights from your favorite athletes, sport industry leaders, and innovators delivered straight to your inbox? Subscribe today to the Ruling Sports Newsletter. The Ruling Sports Newsletter cuts the mystery out of success by bringing you leadership tools, entrepreneurial strategies, business insights, and wellness tips straight from some of the world's most positively impactful people. So go to rulingsports.com today and subscribe for free. I honestly think in the end game, these are all positive changes where we're moving away from social media, just being about physical, visible aesthetics. And look, beauty is nice. I think we all love and appreciate beauty, but I think there's been some really harmful consequences to that. I'm a college professor and I see rising rates of eating disorders, rising rates of anxiety and depression. And I think there's a tie to social media with that. So I love to hear that the mediums are changing. And I think those changes in time will be positive. Do you have any other resources that you can point listeners to for how they can foster their creativity? There's a podcast called Snacks Daily. It's now T-Boy and they just do 15 minutes every day that are like three business stories, but they really like kind of weave it in with trends. And it's just so great because as you see the like sweeping things that are happening in the stock market and business at large, it will help you apply them to whatever fundamental thing. Rockwater is also a great um, newsletter that I subscribe to that has a lot of like business media, overall insights, where money is going, who's buying what. I think those are really interesting to see the big industry shifts. If you're looking for social content, I feel like nitty gritty creative is just, there's so many creators, there's so many people doing things. You have to train your algorithm though. So like, if you want to see things that are going to be inspiring, start like going down rabbit holes and finding one person that's interesting and seeing who they follow and 
you'll start to uncover a lot of people that have like really creative ideas and that can help inspire you a lot. So it's, it's kind of like forcing yourself to be able to consume new and innovative things just by kind of like looking for it. But if you keep liking the same things, your, your socials are just going to keep serving you the same thing. I think that's such an important call out train your algorithm. I love the way that you said it during COVID. One thing I did is I Marie Kondoed my social media following. So Marie Kondo is an author who talks about the art of tidying up. And she tells you that if something doesn't spark joy in your life, you need to trash it. I think, especially in the early iterations of social media, you followed people just to kind of be nice and not look like a jerk for not following them back. And so some of us like amass these followings where perhaps our interests have changed, perhaps the conversations changed, perhaps they're breeding negativity, distrust, et cetera. So I think it's really critical that you create these worlds on social media that mirror the life you want to experience because we are, whether we like it or not, we're experiencing life in different realms, one of which is social media. So I think that's awesome advice. I mean, I know personally, like millennials have, are having a hard time because Gen Z is so different and, you know, they're, they have all these different things, but like follow people who are Gen Z, follow people who are diverse, like try to get your algorithm to show you people that are not just like you. And I think that really helps a lot too, because that's how people fall into ruts is just, oh, I, I see these same things every day. So this is what social is. And if you kind of force yourself it will show you more people. You just have to be kind of seeking it. So I do that a lot. I like follow like young creators, people who are doing things that are innovative, directors from like, who did this new Nike shoot? Let's mm-hmm. see who was the DP on that and follow them because most likely they're young, they're innovative, and they obviously are get, having a lot of success. Okay, so we had Taylor Griffin on the show earlier this year. Taylor is Blake's brother. So we're having a lot of awesome siblings on the show. Did your sister listen to you? You talked about, you know, work with her, giving her ideas. How, how did that work? So I'm four years younger than her. And then below us, we have triplet siblings, two boys and a girl. But yeah, so it, it just worked out. I mean, she was a Red Bull athlete. And so when I started working at Red Bull, Red Bull actually has a gym in their office. So a lot of athletes are coming in, in and out every day. So Lindsay was in there training for the Olympics every single day. And I was on the social team and at Red Bull, Red Bull is posting. I mean, it's a massive media company. So they're posting on social 20 times a day. There's a whole Austrian team that's posting when we're sleeping. So it's constant. So the analytics we were getting were very, very good because we were saying out of thousands of posts, what's doing the best? How is a blue background versus video and photo? And again, this was the time when Instagram had just started video. So I would just kind of take those insights that we were applying to Red Bull and say, hey, Lindsay, looks like video, like single shot iPhone video does the best on Instagram. You should film your workouts. So she would just, and I would go into the gym and be like, that's a cool exercise. Let's show that. Her following just started going up and going up. And it was super complimentary because, you know, she'd be like, hey, Karen, like, let's go to this big event. And I would capture social content and it just really worked. It was a great relationship and, and her following, I mean, she has 2 million followers, which is a lot for any Olympian or any athlete. So that really helped me. And then fundamentally, I, as, since I was a child, I got to see what is life as a professional athlete look like, like, mm-hmm. what is it like to have all these races and have sponsors and have obligations? And are you, you know, like when you see your sister, you can see like, I'm nervous before I go on the red car. How should I stand where the rest of the world just sees her walk out and be confident. So I think it really helped me understand the mind and like the reality of these are real people and they're not Mm -hmm. the superheroes that everyone else sees them as. And also if you show that if they, if they show the inner workings, like Lindsay showed 
a lot of her knee injury in the hospital rehab, like that made her, kept her relevant even when she wasn't skiing. And that's advice I give to a lot of athletes that like, you have to bring your followers on your life journey with you. Don't just show the best moments, Mm -hmm. show the low moments, show you at the dentist. Like I used to always say like LeBron's best post for a long time was him at the (laughs) dentist because you see highlights of LeBron all day long, but you don't see him at the dentist. And that's something only he could capture and Mm -hmm. people love it because he's a normal person, just like everybody else. So a lot of it is just showing the real side of your life and not always just the cool highlight packages. With all of the athletes that you've worked with, it's incredible that you got to take your talent, your knowledge, your skills. Like you're, you're very, 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 very good at what you do. Like even if she's not your sister, like you're excellent, but you got to take those gifts and you got to help your own blood grow her brand. What an awesome opportunity. So you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but in 2018, you founded the Content Capital Group. Can you tell us a little bit about the company and what led you to pursue entrepreneurship? Yeah, so so exciting to have it out there and, and launched and going. But um, I pretty much took what I was doing at Red Bull, training all the athletes, helping them learn how to grow their brands. And ap- after that, I ended up going to Uninterrupted, which is LeBron's media company. Again, saw a lot of athletes. And I just started to realize that, you know, the companies have teams of 20 or 50 people that are constantly doing analytics and posting and editing. and the athletes sitting over there with more following, more engagement, they can tap into a massive audience, but they just don't know what to do. Like they're not, they don't, they haven't studied algorithms and talked to platform partners all day and know what new updates are coming up. So I just realized if an athlete with even a couple hundred thousand followers could apply these learnings that we had at a brand level to their channels, they really do start to grow really quickly and they can have a lot of power in their following. I just thought this would be great. No one's doing it. I kept asking around. I'm like, does anyone have a social manager? Has Are there any agencies that are doing social ma- management for individuals? And there really isn't. P- there's PR teams that are helping them get on you know, podcasts and magazines and TV, but a lot of times social following can be more powerful than that. And I always say it's like, Social is like PR you can keep because if you have something that goes big on social and you get a lot of followers, you keep those followers for your whole career for the most part. So you're building something that you can own versus being big in a moment. And athletes just kept being interested. And over the years, they kept getting more and more interested in being like, I know I need to do this. How do I do it? So I founded a company. Um, We focus very specifically on athletes, really helping them day-to-day strategize. What do you want to build out of your brand? What are your interests? What do you want to show people? And then we help them create that content, edit it and then post it for like with them or for them and just keep adding learnings onto what they're doing so that their brands can be as big as they can. And when they finally retire from sport, they walk away with a following that allows them to do on air or Mm -hmm. found a company or whatever they decide to do. But that following and that influence really does add a lot of value to them. I think it's so cool. And the word that I think about as you're describing the company is empowerment. You are empowering athletes to frankly take control of their lives during the game and after the game and to create opportunities from the, for themselves. How incredible is that? Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Ruling Sports on iTunes or your favorite podcast streaming service. It goes a long way to growing the show. Thank you for your support.
One thing that you say athletes want to do when they come to work with you is they want to affect change through digital and social media. That sounds great. I I think it's a noble goal, but how do you actually do that? Can you walk us through an example? Yeah, I think one of my favorite examples um, was with one of my first clients, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver for the Cardinals. And it was 2020, like the Black Lives Matter movement was in full effect. You know, everybody was kind of clamoring to say like, what do, what do I, what do I do? And what do I say? And what do I not say? And, and my advice to the clients at the time was like, do something that matters to you. Cause if you try to kind of talk about everything, there's so many ways you can get tangled and mixed up and you're talking about something you don't really know about. So start with something that you really care about. And he came to me and was like, Hey, so Clemson university is where he went to college. He was born and raised in Clemson, South Carolina. And he's like, no one, not a lot of people know about this, but Clemson is built on slave owners land. And a lot of the college buildings and monuments and classrooms are named after very prolific slave owners. Mm. He was like, I want to change the name. I want to change the name of these. We did a little research, found out that, and this is kind of where a social team helps is he could have just posted something, but we were able to do the research, talk to the university, found out there were some professors and groups of students who had been trying and trying to petition to change the name. But the professor who was leading it said, we just need, like a lot of times you can kind of push it along and then the semester ends and then start all over again. So he's like, we need national sustained press Mm. and exposure so that the, you know, the people have to hear about it. So we worked with them. We had DeAndre post um, a link to a change.org petition. The school got behind it. It was ESPN. It was sports center. It was breaking news. The football team got involved and, and actually it was just so quick and crazy how powerful it could be. But three days later, the school approved and changed all a huge amount of the names on wow. the campus. So, and he, and he was like that, that was a fundamental thing that he wanted to change since he was a child mm-hmm. and it is an issue. And he's made him feel uncomfortable when he was on campus. And now that is, is changed because of his social posts. And so I feel like there, there's so much value to having a voice on social, whether it's that or anything else, you have the opportunity to change things when you have a big following. And it's not just about likes and pretty pictures. It can be mm-hmm. something really powerful too. So that was, wow. that's my favorite example. And there's a lot more, but it, it's great to see when you see that happen. I literally have goosebumps <laughs> as you're walking through that story. That's incredible. And it's such a testament to one, one attribute that individuals and companies like yours bring to athletes and others with these incredible platforms is oftentimes change requires a deeper strategy. And if I'm a professional athlete studying film and preparing for game day, I probably right now don't have time to build out a strategy that's going to achieve the goal as quickly as possible, but that's what your business does. And it's incredible that you were able to partner and facilitate that change that should have happened a lot sooner, but at least it's happen now. That's incredible. What a cool moment and opportunity and good for him. Good for him for using um, his background and his platform to effectuate change. We are living in a fascinating period of sport history where athletes have more power than ever to build and leverage their personal brands. 
And now college athletes can do the same. Let's say I'm a college athlete who wants to take advantage of the name, image, and likeness space. I come to you for help. What are we doing? How will you guide me? The college athlete NCAA um, example is a really interesting one. And I talk about it a lot. What I've been seeing at large is colleges coming in and giving the students, oh, here's an analytics tool that will help you understand your audience. Or here's this app that will help streamline your deals. And it's like, they don't need that yet because they don't, they don't know their analytics. They don't know what their brand is. They don't know what deals they should take. I think that a big thing that needs to happen is college athletes need to step back and first say, okay, what is my personal strategy? So when I work with clients, the easiest first step is just to say, what are your three brand pillars? So usually one is your sport. And then the two are like, here's something I'm passionate about. Here's kind of the area I want to start business in or something I want to change, kind of like a activism pillar. If you build those out, then you kind of understand and what am I trying to get? So like Lindsay would be like skiing, fitness, health, mental health, physical health. And then she can start to create content that really resonates in those three pillars. And that allows her to be focused when she's working out. She can say, okay, I want to talk about this. You know, when she's uh, looking for brand sponsors, she's like, okay, what are people in mental health, physical health, uh, nutrition, fitness? And then it all starts to make a little more sense versus if you're trying to do like, I'm trying to do humor and sports and also like cooking maybe and you know and and it gets really complicated so I feel like athletes starting with what do I what are the things I want to talk about and then look for again it's not perfection it's consistency so it's how can I capture something along these lines every day what what moments in my life do I have time to set up an iPhone and capture something who's around me that could film me doing things a lot of times it's like if I have a coach in the weight room who can quickly film me doing a back squat on my iPhone that's going to be great what are the moments that nobody else sees that you really want to share, like the LeBron of the dentist, bring people in on your journey and your pillars. And that is going to help you grow a brand. And then once you have that and you kind of have built some sort of a following, then you can say, okay, in my pillars, here are some brand sponsors I can look for, you know, and then that helps you feel consistent. You're not marketing everything and anything, and you can build towards something versus just saying like, oh, I can do this toothpaste ad today. Does that have to do with health and fitness? I don't know, but you probably could do something closer to, you know, Therabody or Nike or, you know, a new startup. Like you can start to really be focused and have a cohesive brand that makes sense long-term if you just set those fundamentals up versus trying to do everything and anything. Preach. I, I think that's incredible advice. And the scary and mistaken thing I see emerging in the college NIL space is the services and tools that universities are providing. They are going for the low-hanging fruit where these companies come in, they sell them a quick service. But if we look at that service and if we look at who it's helping and if if it's helping anyone, it's not helping these individuals build lasting brands and companies that are going to follow them after their intercollegiate careers. Building a brand is a painstaking, time-taking process. Lindsay Vaughn did not wake up despite how awesome she is and how talented she is. She did not wake up with 2 million followers. She and her sister, Karin here, worked diligently, tirelessly, strategically 
And over time, they amass that. I see so many college athletes who once the turn came that they could profit from their name, image, and likeness, they said, well, where are my deals? Where are all of these sponsors lining up? That's not how it works. You have to have a strategy and a story. So I really appreciate you providing tools and tips and methods that are applicable by anyone. Anyone can build a brand. It just takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes time and, and strategy. Like it's work, but the thing I... I try to do for all my clients. And when I talk to people is like, how do you make it fun and easy? How do you know, like, oh, I'm going to do series where I show my breakfast every morning. And if you're a collegiate long distance runner, there's a huge group of people that care about like, think of how many millions of runners there are in the world that are like, I want to know what they eat every single day. And if you just make that, that doesn't take a lot of time or energy. But if you start to like find many of those, you can start to really create something that people at are taking value from, they understand who you are, what you're bringing to them. And I think a lot of times people just are like, oh, I'm going to just post the pictures that the photographers from the game send me. And that's something I have to work against is like, especially if you're a football player, hockey player, like no one sees your face, you're in a helmet. They don't know where you came from. They don't know what you do on the weekends or what you stand for. They just know you play football. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, who are you? What else do you like that? You know, and a lot of times, sometimes one of the pillars doesn't get a lot of likes. Like I knew an athlete who was like, I'm a parkour athlete and I have these viral videos, but I also care about books and I read a lot. And he would post the book he was reading every month. He's like, it would do horribly. The worst post out of anything, but it was important because it mm -hmm. showed more depth to him. And I think that's what people have to do is don't always chase the like, tell your story and that will all build into something that you can then leverage long-term. There's a lot that you should remember from this episode, but if you want to remember one of the big points is LeBron James in the Dennis chair. Take us behind the scenes. Give us exclusive content. Show us who you are. Tell a unique story. You are an athlete, yes, but you are so much more than an athlete. And that's the generation that we're living in. And it's really awesome. Karin, thank you so much for your time. This has been so inspirational and educational. How can listeners keep up with you and follow your work? Best way is follow at Content Capital Group on Instagram that has a lot of our work, our clients, personally at Car in the Garage. Um, that's my handle. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. I really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you gained wisdom that will help you rule your life. Let's stay connected on social media. We're at Ruling Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at rulingsports.com and email me your thoughts about the show at alicia at rulingsports.com. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate, and review the show and join us next time.